welcome to episode 17 of Slaytanic Verkast, the internet's only comprehensive chronological retrospective of the world's greatest thrash metal band, the mighty Slayer. Each week, we dissect a track from their back catalogue by playing through the song, analysing the lyrics and giving a final appraisal. I'm Mo from France and to my west, broadcasting from a tunnel he has been secretly digging for the last 20 years, it's Dr. Liquescence. How do you, Doc? I'm very, very well. Um, I'm underground. Uh, it's damp. Um, there are nameless things crawling all over me and biting me and nibbling me. <laughs> there are roots coming down out of the ceiling. Human skeletons um, mm. all around me. Mm -hmm. oh, I'm, I'm absolutely in my element. There's no place I'd rather be. Can you give us a clue? Obviously, you don't want to pinpoint your location on a GPS system, but can you, can you give us some kind of indication? You know, just just a ball a ballpark. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if this means anything to you, um, if you go forty-five clicks north along Thunder Road, um, mm -hmm. I believe known as Highway One, um, there's a particularly large mangrove plantation on the southeastern edge of the Michelin Plantation. Um, if you turn right there, um, hump in about another three clicks, um, then to tell you more, to tell you how to find the entrance, um, I would have to start giving away secret landmarks. Um, yes, and I think your, your, your navigational instructions there were clear enough, clear enough for anybody to, to find you regardless. Um, why? 20 years ago, Doc, did you start digging that godforsaken tunnel? Well, um, goes back even further than that um, to another existence, which I'll enlighten you about at a later date. But in one of my early experiments, I had a requirement for staggering amounts of liquid rubber. Um, that was before I, I, I rejected that material as substitute skin. Mm -hmm. um, and where else but the now abandoned Michelin plantation? Um, which um, had thousands of acres of rubber trees um, that mm -hmm. were being untapped. Um, it had a relatively available workforce. Um, and um, it just seemed a good place. Um, there was a reasonable pretext for, for, for digging a tunnel in that part of the world. Um, and once again, I had plenty of help. Um, I, would, I, would say for, I would say for anybody... Um, curious about the life of, of Dr. Lequescence. Um, if you haven't already seen it, go, do go and check out uh, Le Visage Sans Yeux. Eyes. No, no, Les Yeux Sans Visage, the opposite. Les Yeux Sans Visage. Eyes without a face. That will tell you everything you need to know about the good Dr. Lequescence's life. Are you feeling well, medically, Doc? I'm feeling very well. I mean, Obviously, being in a place where no one can see me very easily and, you know, where, where there are no mirrors and sort of no reminders of um, how repulsive my physical appearance mm -hmm. actually is. Because you are. Um, I mean, you, really, you, I mean you, you know, you're a lovely man, but you are absolutely disgusting to look at. You know, it, 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 it's problematic. Um, as Fall fans will probably know, um, I'm, I'm relatively well acquainted with Mr. Roman Total. Um, who uh, has also constructed his own tunnel network um, around Didsbury. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, <laughs> well, the, yes, the, the famous Didsbury tunnels, yes, of course. 
Yeah. Um, the last time I went to see him, um, and he, he, he can't open his mouth easily nowadays mm -hmm. um, because if, if, if he neglects to attend to the sores, then um, the, the pus on his upper and lower, the, the upper and lower half of his beak congeals and seals it shut. Mm -hmm. um, mm. and it, 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 it wasn't easy for him to say um, figuratively and literally, but he said, Doc, old liquescence, my son, he said, <laughs> you need to do something about your complexion. Sure, yeah. Your complexion is not good. Yeah, and coming from him, that, 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 that must have been a real eye-opener for you. Yeah, I mean, bearing in mind that only three of his eyes work very well nowadays. <laughs> um, and um, honestly, even with my skills and experience, I've long since been able to tell the difference between his face and his intestines. Sure, of course. That, that, that's enough grot for one, for, for one episode, Doc. We, you know, we, all of our stomachs are churning. Um, what have I done? I am... Currently, in day eight of self-isolation, I'm starting to go a bit stir-crazy, to be honest with you. Let me, let me put it this way. I'm playing a lot of PlayStation. I mean, what else is there to do? Um, I don't know. What have you been playing, though? Uh, oh, oh. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, game of the moment is called Rage 2. Um, this is by id Software. Now, you, Doc, you you all know id Software because they were the developers of the original Doom way back in 1993. They're still cracking along um, and churning out high quality games. So you know, it 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 it, it it's not the same game, but it has the DNA of Doom. It's called Rage Two. It's it, it's great. Yeah, so that's pretty good. Um, has it got demons in it? No, no, it, this, this is more kind of cyberpunk territory we're in here. Um, oh, has it got a cyber demon in it then? No cyber demons. Actually, there is, there is something called something like a cyber beast. Um, you know, it's, it's that blend of, of like Mad Max style, old technology uh, with futuristic sci-fi trappings. It's good, man. It's good. Sure. Um, corrections. Here we go. Um, in the Chemical Warfare episode, I said that the lyric, Satan laughs as you eternally rot, was from the Seasons in the Abyss album. It wasn't. I'm a buffoon. It's from South of Heaven, and specifically the track Live Undead. Satan laughs as you eternally rot, searching for human flesh and life's blood. Dun, dun, dun. The Live Undead. We all know it. We all sing it every Christmas, don't we? You know, so what a fool I was. Shoot me. Shoot me now. Um, topic for the week, Doc, if you don't mind. Mm, I've got two. I'm looking at two here on my uh, on my screen of doom. Which one am I going to pick? Take the one at the bottom. And whichever okay. one we don't cover today, we'll assuredly get around to in the next episode. Fair enough. One at the bottom is best vocalist in metal. What do you reckon, Doc? Hit me. Um, I've got a couple of really, really obvious choices. Mm. Um, I, I, unless you're being deliberately contrarian, I don't even see how anyone could make a list of the top three best vocalists in metal and not have Bruce Dickinson on there. Of course, yeah, yeah. First, first, name on the, first name on the pad for me. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, um, a... An uncontroversial choice, some may even say slavish, um, but I mean, it's a bit like saying 
something else that's really, really obviously true. Um, it's really, really obviously true. Yeah. Um, vocalists, um, uh, and once again, an obvious choice, and some may even say slavish, but considering the nature of the podcast, um, I think you've got to have Tom Araya. But you put you put Tommy in your top three, would you? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then, um, getting down to places three, four, and five, I'm not even going to try and distinguish between places three, four, and five. Um, one of them has certainly got to go to Glenn Benton from Deerside. Okay. Not mm-hmm. a favourite band of mine, not even a particularly favourite genre of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably only half a dozen Deerside songs that I'd say are really, really good songs and that would that, that, that I put onto uh, to a mixtape for Chilling by the Beach with. You know the um, problem but, you know the problem with Deerside, don't you, Doc? It all sounds the same, do it? That's the problem. <laughs> uh, is that because it's just drums, drums, and yeah, more drums? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but 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 you know, joking aside, it, it it is difficult to distinguish one day aside track from another. To be honest, unless you're a devotee. Ooh, now I'll mostly agree with you, but. Mm. I think their standout cuts stick out a mile. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I would say Deicide have six, seven, or eight absolutely killer tracks. Um, but you know that's coming off twelve albums or so. Um, sure. You know, so it, it's not a great hit rate, and and the rest of it is pretty disposable. I would say. Um, yeah, but I mean, um, Glenn Benton, his his vocals were uh, memorably described by Ian Glasper from Terrorizer uh, in one <laughs> article as um, sounding like a man obliged to fillet a cactus. Um, in another one, and this is one of my favourite descriptions of vocals ever, um, still sounds like a like a coprophiliac bringing his lunch up. <laughs> That's vile. What, how vile is that? Fantastic. Yeah, brilliantly gruesome. Yeah. Um, uh, Glenn Benton's vocals are described by a very dear friend of mine and yours um, as like a man who sounds not merely pissed off at God, but truly enraged at the existence of God. Um, <laughs> and um, I think that's the key. Uh, metal isn't a notoriously angry genre. Uh, it can be sinister, it can be heavy, and it can be menacing and threatening, and it can be satanic. But while staying well within the grounds of metal with no obvious hardcore influences at all and nothing like that. Glenn Benton just sounds absolutely bloody furious all of the time. He is furious. You're absolutely right. That's three. How, um, how many are you going to give us? Five. Uh, okay. Five. Um, I, I can't get lists. Me, I, I can't do favourites, mm. um, except in a, a very few circumstances. I have to get down to top five and within within the top five. I generally can't distinguish between those. Um, I'm going to have to say Euronymous from Mayhem as well. Um, okay. Not Euronymous from Mayhem, but um, Attila Chazar from Mayhem. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be a controversial choice because even amongst diehard Mayhem fans, Dead has his own fans. Attila has his own fans. Um, I do rather gather even Maniac has his own fans. Okay. Um, which 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 one gave us the the, the, the sensational delivery? Funeral fuck. Which one was that? That was a Tulichazar. Oh, well, he's the best. best. He's clearly the best. Yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> apart from the fact that um, 
I'm really, really glad that that first track on Demisterius Tom Satanus is called Funeral Fog because mm. they're the only lyrics you can understand on the whole track. <laughs> well, um, for the whole career, I would say. I've, I've never looked at a Mayhem lyric sheet. Um, for me, one of the most atmospheric things about Mayhem is the partially understood or maybe completely misunderstood fragments of lyrics that swim out of the rancid primordial soup. Mm. Um, uh, from, from the dark past. Um, there's a couple of snatches of vocals that I can pick out. Um, and one of them says something about a face carven in stone and frozen in terror. What did he see? Um, and um, I think those are great lyrics. And if yeah, great, yeah, great to, lines. Yeah, great lines. If someone wants to tell me that I'm wrong um, and those are not the actual lyrics, then please don't. I'm perfectly happy believing those are what they are. You're happy to um, miss here. On the last track of the album, which is called The Mysterious Dom Satanus, in fact, mm -hmm. um, you can also hear, clearly hear another great lyric, which is, bring us the goat. And how can you <laughs> argue with that? <laughs> well, they, 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 they have something of a fascination with goats, I believe, as do in Pound Nazarene, if, if memory serves correctly. Yeah, um, now, um, uh, Salutinen from Impaled Nazarene was also going to be a candidate for one of my favourite vocals, but ah. even more, even more so than Deerside, mm -hmm. um, Impaled Nazarene, the, the, the Naz um, are uh, a band who stand out cuts, um, floats so far above the rest of their material. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, and I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Sir Um I know you gave yourself one of the best liner note credits of all time, which is Sir and thanks himself. Everyone <laughs> else can fuck off and die. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, nihilism at its finest. Uh, number five, Doc. Um, and this is a, a, a real, real sort of. Um, struggle for me to uh, uh, for me to round out the set, and once again, I'm, I'm not making a particularly I'm not making a particularly controversial choice here, um, but in terms of effect and influence um, and genre creation, mm -hmm. um, and I think the best example of my favourite thing, which is uh, ambition over ability, I'm going to have to say Ozzy. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. It is. He's got a great voice. Um, um, and I'm, I'm going to break with tradition, uh, and I'm even going to include solo Aussie mm, in with that. Mm, mm. I mean, I, I would agree. Certainly, you know, he's got some pipes on. He's got some pipes on him when he's when you know when when, when he's when he's cranking out Mr. Crowley and Bark at the Moon, all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, no doubt the boy can sing. Not not a doubt in the world. Yeah, so uh, how about you? Yeah, I've got four. I didn't quite get to five. Um, in, in no particular order, actually. But, you know, I'll start with Bruce, because, that, as you know, as you quite rightly identified, it's, it's just obvious and correct. So let's get Bruce out of the way. Um, after that, I go for... Hmm, Martin Valkyrie from um, Coventry-based... Erstwhile thrash metal titans Sabbat. Um, there is just something about his voice, particularly that they did three albums. Their first two are genuine 
slabs of thrash greatness. The third one sucks. The big one, unfortunately. So we'll ignore that. Uh, but that album, he's not Martin. And that was the problem. Um, and his voice, his voice, his poeticism in his, in, in, in his lyrics... Um, just absolutely sensational. And, you know, and, and any younger listeners, you know, if, if you've never heard Sabat, and, you, and you've got to episode seventeen of Slaytanic Vercast, I'm guessing you can't, you're kind of into thrash. Um, well, in that case, do yourself a favour, go and listen to History of a Time to Come and Dreamweaver by Sabat. Um, next up, I'd go. I'm, 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 I'm going to shout out for the ladies. I'm going to go with Taria Turinen from Nightwish. Um, absolutely. The, 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 the first example I ever heard of a true, a true operatic voice in metal. You know, this woman is a trained opera singer and, she's, and, she, and she sings for a kind of a, 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 a Finnish power metal band. She is remarkable and dra- elevates you know an otherwise quite ordinary band into echelons they would they, they would otherwise not attain are, are you familiar with nightwish doc i'm not familiar with nightwish at all mm, mm. I, mean, the, 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 I don't think i think i've learned everything i've ever known about nightwish in the last 25 seconds mm. they are they are finland's premier musical Export. They are the most popular Finnish inter- band internationally. Um, you know that every album they release goes kind of multi-platinum in Finland, um, and, and and very 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 successful throughout Europe. Actually, um, it's 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 it, it's a perfect blend of proper of prime. I mean, really, really well produced but prime heavy metal, interlaced with Musical, um, and when I say musical, I mean musical like Annie and Oliver, you know, sound of music, um, you know, musical uh, sensibilities. And on top of that, you layer on, a, 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 you know, a, 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 a classically trained opera singer. It's majestic. Epic does not even begin to start to cover some of Nightwish's music. Um, <laughs> Um, and the last one would be Warl Dane. Um, now, Warl Dane was the lead singer. Unfortunately, he's dead. Um, but he was the lead singer of Sabat, uh, not Sabat, sorry, Sanctuary, um, a late 80s, kind of really real, real late comers to the, to, to the 80s thrash scene. They, 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 they released two thrash albums, one called Refuge Denied, if memory serves correctly, and the other Into the Mirror Black. Um, Refuge Denied is just a, it's a stone cold classic. If you if you dig your thrash, go and listen to Refuge Denied. Listen to the song Battle Angels. You, you, and then email me and say thank you for the gift I've just given you um, because it is fantastic. Um, th- Sanctuary split up because, you know, we have to remember the timeline here. Into the Mirror Black came out in 1991, just as grunge was hitting. And two boys in Sanctuary said, well, we want to keep playing thrash. 
And the other two guys said, well, yeah, but we want to jump on the grunge bandwagon. And unfortunately, the band dissolved. Then the two guys that were still into the thrash went on, went, went on and formed um, Nevermore, even, even better than Sanctuary. Nevermore, absolutely sensational. You know, mainstays of, of mid-90s mid, mid, mid to mid-90s, mid kind of post the post-thrash scene. Contemporaries of the Haunted. Um, absolutely fantastic. Warrell Dane, what a voice. What a voice. That's enough for me, Doc, I think. Um, I'm, I'm starting to bore myself, actually. Um, shall we crack on? And listen to what well, I don't know about you, Doc. This feels to me like a bit of a moment, actually. It is a bit of a moment. Mm. Um, if this were a television series, um, this would be the start of uh, of our second season. You're right. Yeah, um, yeah. We survived so, the axe. Yeah. Um, so the, the the studio executives, um, who, by the way, are also you and me. Um, are satisfied enough with um, with our performance that we, we've we've been commissioned for a second series. Um, we've had the in between series break. No one's had to go into rehab. No one's mm -hmm. gone to jail. Um, we've managed to get the full cast and the full crew back again yep. with the blessing of the studio mm -hmm. um, and new material to work on. Now, is this going to be one of these series that has a marked change in style in between its first and second season, or? In between its second and third season, well, I guess we're going to find out, you know. But uh, what I find interesting and it's uh, uh, getting me all a bit tingly for, 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 you know, for the episode that's coming up. I would say this is the first Slayer track that we're covering. Um, you know, we, we, we've had some names up to this. The Antichrist is is a well known song. Die by the Sword is a well known song. Chemical Warfare is probably the closest we've got. But I would say this is the first like real blockbuster entry into Slayer's back catalogue. I would say, you know, um, of course, the track we're talking about is Hell Awaits, and we're going to listen to it in the next part. Okay, welcome to part two of the show. Here, we play the track, pause it from time to time to discuss what we're listening to, and generally just get on down to a bit of Slayer. Don't forget, at any point, you can contact us via Twitter, at Vercast, or by email, slaytanicvercast at gmail.com. This week's song, as we previously mentioned, is Hello Waits, from the album... Hello, Whites. You ready, Doc? I am. Here we go. Slow build up, um, you know, very, very quiet and gradually building. To me, that says to me, this is a band full of confidence. Um, yeah. yeah, you don't give yourself the bombastic, you, you don't give yourself the big musical theatre intro mm -hmm. um, unless you're relatively confident that you're going to be able to live up to it now, do you? Yeah, 
Yeah. I think I think they are pretty sure that whatever they do in this intro, whatever's coming next, people are going to dig. What do you reckon? They're confident of that, and they're also confident that they now... I'm not saying they can rest on their laurels very, very far from it, but they have an established enough fan base um, that um, having the drum rolls and the performing seals and the dancing girls at the start of the show um, is something that will raise audience expectations as opposed to boring the audience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's see how long they tease us for. Here we go. There's back there's backmasking going on there, isn't there, Doc? I don't know. Um, so, um, gosh, um, when I start to get too much into themes that need to be delayed to further on in the program, mm. um, stop me and, in the manner of a good lecturer, say, "Can we do this in Q and A at the end?" When this album was coming out, um, we were at the beginning of the huge uh, satanic panic and the backmasking scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there were lots of bands who did things that were meant to sound a bit like backmasking and a bit like backmasked messages or backwards messages, um, because I think to actually have backwards messages um, was v- playing with fire in a very, very meaningful way. Um, sure. And I don't mean dabbling in Satanism. I mean dabbling in stuff that could really, really easily get, uh, uh, send you to jail. I don't think Slayer cared because I can tell you for sure this is backmasking. The, the backmasking here is saying, "Join us, join us." Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, the famous example of "join us" for me, anyway, would be Evil Dead. Of course. Yeah. Now, this is nineteen eighty four, Doc. From your from your memory, does this post date or predate Evil Dead? I think Evil Dead's about eighty one, eighty two, isn't it? I was going to say 79. Um, oh, there you go. Yeah, so you're even earlier than me. I'm sure it's 80s. I'm, I'm, sure it, I'm sure it's an 80s movie. So, I mean, obviously, The Evil Dead was made over a period of, I believe, three years mm-hmm. um, because the cast were only able to assemble during university holidays. Yeah. Um, it had numerous production breaks when Sam Raimi ran out of money and had to go and look for some more money. Of course. Um, then, even after it was in the can, it then had to find a distributor then the distributor had to find some money to make prints to put into cinemas. So there might be anything up to three years between the date that the movie wrapped um, and was a finished film in the can. Of course. Uh, But but, but either way, either way, it predates 84, doesn't it? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So so this is after that. Surely that's where they're um, getting that reference from. Yeah, and I'm curious as to whether it's actually where they're getting the sample from. Mm. Um, was um, was Join Us, Run Backwards, used as one of the diagenic or atmospheric noises? Um, because, In the movie? Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know the answer to that, but it, 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 it's a great thought. Yeah, yeah, it, it's certainly There's, a possibility. Uh, you know the sequence where they find the Necronomicon for the first time and they read one passage out of it and it summons a single spirit out of the woods. Sure. Um, 
and it, it's it's the um, it's the low tracking shot that goes sort of under logs, um, as obviously it's it's a fairly small spirit that can't fly very high mm -hmm. at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and there's there's a turn of very atmospheric noises which are in part wind, um, in part forest sounds, and there's some other stuff mixed in with that that sounds like human speech backwards. Yeah. Um, I, so. I've never made the connection actually until today. I, I, I only know this because I, of course, you know, to research the episode, I, I did, just did a little bit of reading and I discovered that. And I must be honest, Doc, I thought, oh, of course, I've heard those sounds in the Evil Dead movie. I think you're right. I, I, I think this is, this, this is effectively a sample of the Evil Dead. Of course, we, you know, we, we, we're happy to be corrected, but I, I think you're spot on. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense because um, breach of copyright and nicking the soundtrack to someone's movie um, is a lot lesser offence than um, what Judas Priest uh, were in the dock for at the time for purposefully putting subliminal messages on records. Of course, of course. Let's crack on. Chandler might say, could you be more ominous? Um, I mean, could you get so many things more right in the first <laughs> one minute of your second album? Mm. Um, you've got the intro um, that gives um, three distinct uh, atmospheres um, at once. Um, at the highest level, it's the bombastic intro of a band beginning their second album. Um, it's on a the bit next cocky as level. well, though, Doc. I, I, I would say this as a, a little bit of a criticism. It's a bit cocky. It's your second album, for fuck's sake. You know, you, you're not megastars yet. Um, they're not megastars yet. Um, in their position, um, I would be grinning my head off that mm. I get the chance to make a second album um, that... Um, instead of self-funding everything and doing everything on a pitiful budget, we've no, we've probably got a lousy contract. It's probably like twenty-five grand split four ways to last two years. Mm -hmm. It's still a contract. Yeah, um, we're still somehow able to make make a living doing the thing we love. Yeah, um, I'd be cocky. I, I'd be cocky about it, and I feel pretty justified in being cocky as well. Sure. Yeah. 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 I get it. Let's move on. <laughs> Before the before the track kicks off properly, just luxuriate in the sound of Dave Lombardo's drums, man. We haven't heard them this glorious up until this point, and my God, I love Dave so much. It, it, it's wonderful to hear.
is actually surprisingly hard to play. Now, the individual components are not difficult, but remembering the order of it is really, really tricky, actually. You know, this is, this is a song that I've been playing on and off for 20, 25 years. And, it, you know, it, 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 it takes me 15 or 20 repetitions of that intro before I can actually you know, kind of nail it, really. Um, it, it, it is surprisingly complex because some of the timing of those, of, of the chord sequences are not exactly where you'd expect them to be. When you're listening, it, it's logical, but when you're playing, sometimes they, you know, they drop the change in, in, in a strange place. What do you think, Doc? Is this a function, do you think, of, um, I think, having the slightly warped imagination that you need to be a real creative genius um, by which I mean, um, if the imagination is yours, if, if, if the grids and filters and meshes of mental process belong to you, mm -hmm. um, you would be able to, you wouldn't have to memorize it because the things that went into the algorithm would generate the things that came out of the algorithm, all of that being inside your head. Sure. Um, but as an outsider uh, and possibly one a little less creative or a little less cracked in the skull, um, than whoever wrote that, trying to learn it from scratch. Because the mental processes putting it together um, were put together by someone other than you. Mm. It was obviously never written down. It was never scored. It was never arranged by a no. composer. No. Um, and this, this is something very, very interesting for me always. Um, I do not possess creative genius um, or anything close. Um, and when I hear, when I hear music that's like that, um, or particularly when I read something um, that I believe exhibits creative genius, and you can look at it and think to yourself, well, I know all of those words, I know all of those syntactical constructions, but what does it take to put them together in that way? Of course, yeah. Um, it's a, it's the configuration thought. that matters, isn't it? Not the actual ingredients. Yeah. No, you're quite right. Um, you know, the, the, the drummers that I've worked with have, of, have often accused me of having a, like a very, very peculiar sense of time. Um, you know, apparently, you know, many riffs that I write do not conform to like standard four-four beats. I have, but 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 to me, it's totally normal. You know, to me, it makes sense. But to the poor drummer that's trying to put a beat to what I'm writing, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes it's a challenge. Let, let's press on. We are now two minutes, 40 seconds into this song and we're still in the intro. It's audacious, Doc. Um, I categorise it as audacious or, um, as you said previously, cocky. Uh, and after you said that, a, a, a curious bastard quotation um, from some war movie um, that I saw long ago came into my mind. And um, it's, it's, it, it's, it's the night before the battle, it's the night before the storming of the beach or whatever. Um, and everyone's getting into a good old drunken sing song and singing a song about how 
um, they, they, they destroyed the enemy and um, how great they are. And someone says, well, you know, don't, don't you think you should win the fight before you start celebrating? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, one of the boozed up Marines or whatever says something on the lines of, um, what's the point in that? We'll, we'll, we'll probably be dead by, the, the, uh, by this time tomorrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, everything I see about this so far, I'm sticking to the point I made earlier, which is um, it's a bunch of guys who are delighted to be making their second album. Yeah. on some sort of a budget. Yeah. They're very much aware of the fact that the whole thing might come to an end next month, next year, tomorrow. Um, and this might be their only chance. So frankly, fuck modesty. Yep, 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 you're right. Okay, I think things are about to change. Let's find out. <laughs> is Tom's bass dock? Um, it's very loud. Yeah. Um, in fact, and I know this is a stupid thing to say, because in the mix, everything is relative, obviously, but doesn't everything sound loud to you? Um, you just feel like everything's kind of boosted to the max, like in your face. Is that what, yeah. you, is that what you're saying? Um, it, it's, it's like... Um, uh, it's a racehorse of a song. Like it, it, it's its muscles are almost threatening to overpower its skeleton. Mm, mm. Um, I just have this image in my mind of the poor sound engineer sweating over his faders, and every <laughs> time he tries to, every time he tries to stop the the dials from redlining, every time mm. he pulls the faders down, somebody will go over to the little combo amp and, and and turn their amplifier up a notch, and then you've got the poor engineer sweating again and trying to pull them down out of the mix and trying to hold the mix together, yeah. um, and then the guy whacking his drum kit harder and harder and harder, and then somebody else turning their amplifier. And uh, that's that's the kind of song it sounds like to me. Mm, mm. In a good way or not, Doc? There's no such thing as too loud. Mm. Um, mm. There is, of course. Uh, I mean, um, some people apparently have ethical problems with carpet bombing for some reason or other. Oh, my, yes. problem with carpet bombing, my, my, my problem with carpet bombing is it's not loud enough. Mm. Mm. Um, so um, no, you cut um, too loud is impossible, um, and it's. It, I think it's what's giving the production quality that visceral thrill. Um, you can, I, I can feel the conflict in the electronics, and my God, that's a pretentious statement. I don't um, know another album that sounds like this. You know, I, I, I will say that from the outset, but before we commence this journey, I think this. I think the production on this album is. Utterly unique. I know of no no other album that sounds like this one. We'll come back to this when we're a little bit further in the song because I, I've got at least two, maybe three subjects that I, I, I want to bring up concerning the production of this track. Yeah. And then going on to the rest of this album. But the time for that will be a little bit later in the song. Can we do it then? Okay. <laughs> Killing on the side to get the one called all They can't develop our weakness 
because they teased us there for, 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 you know, for three, three and a half minutes. You know, they, 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 got, they got us to the pinnacle of ecstasy and then they, bang, they hit the G-spot, didn't they? It's absolutely, absolutely just marvellous, marvellous songwriting structure, I would say. Yeah, I, I, I thought for a second you were going to say, you know, that, that they, they, they thought they could buy us off with, with, with just, just enough head. Um, uh, just enough minge munching to keep us satisfied, mm -hmm. um, and then they lost the plot and started rutting away like jackrabbits. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I liked the song better uh, when it was ominous. Oh yeah, um, it's the part we've gone into now. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. Mm -hmm. um, I would have liked it better if they'd sticked, if if, if they'd sticked, if they'd stuck um, mm -hmm. to the sort of ominous tone of the first two minutes and fifty seconds. Mm. Um, you, point you, taken about you place, give, though. You give no credit to, you know, the principle of juxta, juxtaposition. We'll see what they do with the rest of the song. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> How's it working for you, Doc? Um, so I've got used to it now. Um, I can give credit to the principle of juxtaposition. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll, once again, we'll get back to this when we begin to discuss the lyrics. Um, I still think I'd have liked the song better if it would have stuck to the ominous atmosphere of um, the early part of it. There's yeah. nothing wrong with this part. Mm -hmm. I feel... Um, I feel that the, I feel the opening three minutes is hammer horror, and the, the rest of the and 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 the, the closing three minutes is kind of insane Italian um, like zombie movie madness, basically. You know, and and, and they're kind of smashing those those two things together. Point taken. Um, so the 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 intro is gothic. Mm -hmm. um, now, you're going to have to leave that with me while we listen to a bit more of the song. And I try and, uh, I try and identify um, what precise kind of horror I think mm -hmm. this section sounds like. Because I'm getting close. <laughs> we're, 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 we're all looking forward to that. Let's go. <laughs> Not a big fan of the effect on the vocals here, to be honest. It sounds it sounds a little bit juvenile. In fact, I also think the same when they say hello awaits, there's some crazy effect that's meant to make it sound demonic. In fact, it just sounds a little bit, you know, kind of bad Halloween party, doesn't it? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm really not trying to be contrarian here. I mm. promise you I'm not. 
Um, I there's there's something about there's something about cheap effects mm. in anything that will just get my attention. Mm-hmm. Um, multi-million pound CGI and completely convincing dinosaurs. Um, I've forgotten about by the time the film's finished. Course. Um, but um, some some really lousy rubber dinosaurs, or um, relevantly, heating up some bubble gum in a microwave oven um, sticks with me for far longer. Um, I, I I think I've just inherited far more of a cheese gene um, than you have, and there's there's something about cheesy effects that, um, without any attempt at rational explanation, because I can't <laughs> even offer one. Um, I like cheesy effects. Yeah, no, 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 no I totally respect it. What's very interesting is that, you know, I, I in no way expected this song to be divisive, but it could yet be the most divisive song so far, which I think is fascinating. Let, let, let's keep going. Um, where are we at about the five minute mark now? We've just hit five minutes, we've got one minute to go. Yeah, um, so out of that, of course, you've got almost three minutes of uh, atmospheric introduction. Well, I I would say you've got one minute of kind of squealing guitars, you know, just just the build up before they even hit a chord, then you've got two minutes of you know, ominous chord progressions before actually before the, the song actually starts for real. That's the, that, that, that's the breakdown. Yeah, um, I think it might be a bit long. Mm. But on the other hand, I wouldn't have missed that previous solo for the world. I love that. Yeah. Do you think maybe they're, they're, they're confusing length of track with kind of scale and ambition? Um, yeah. And I think it's a completely understandable mistake to make. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'm going to predict already um, that we're in for an album of interesting mistakes. I think, Doc, you might be absolutely correct. I do love that though when they, they nothing really changes they just double up on the guitar I, 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 yeah. been a firm favorite of mine from so, since, since since I first heard this song you know you don't change the tempo you just play twice as many chords and suddenly it sounds four times as fast <laughs> Thank you. 
so there we go. That is Hello Whites, the first track from Slayer's second album, also called Hello Whites. Come on then, Doc. Give me your brain. I don't think it was too long. Or if it was, um, I don't th- I don't see what they could have meaningfully left out. Mm. I wouldn't want to sacrifice the introduction. I wouldn't want to sacrifice the middle eight. I wouldn't want to sacrifice the outro. Mm-hmm. Um, the parts of the songs where if I were getting bored at all, um, are actually the the conventional verses. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I found a bit cookie cutter. Okay. Um, if I'd have had to have ruthlessly edited that song, um, I'm afraid I'd have left out the verses. Mm-hmm. It's it, um, it, it's a strange one. It, it, I, I think the song in general, the structure is strange. You know, obviously with that with that massive intro, and then and then they kind of try. I think that it seems like they tried to cram like a six minute song into the last three minutes. Um, and we, and we'll see when we get to the lyrics. I've, I've actually found it quite difficult to separate the lyrics into kind of coherent verses and bridges. Oh, you know, but because it, it, yeah. is, it is a really, really unusually structured song. That, and of course, that's not a criticism because we we want our musicians, and, you know, our songwriters to to write uh, things that are unconventional. Um, I mean, for me, man, I mean, the, the 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 opening three minutes is, I think, is unparalleled. It's the best intro of of a metal song. Ever, I would say. Um, I don't think I, I don't think it's been I don't think it's been bettered since. Just the just the level of menace, how ominous it is, and just and, and the, just the, the the confidence and the bravado to to you know to, to keep doing it for so long. Just 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 hats off to them. I do agree with you that, that you know the second half of the song is is, is not as strong. And the, and that's a strange thing because there are bits that I love, you know, when the when the one guitar stops and the other guitar is just kind of riffing on the E string as Tom scream in the end of the verse, man alive, that's brilliant, you know. Um, the second half does not live up to the ominous threat of the first half. That that, that that's how I would that's how I would categorise it. I'm going to introduce a metaphor now. Mm-hmm. Um, which um, I plan on using as a bit of a yardstick as we listen to this album. Um, it's hardly unusual to think of metal alongside thinking of military history. Um, and when you look at the history of weapons development, you will often find that many, many different sides in the global military game um, arrive at the same place in weapons development at about the same time and many of them hold off using their new ideas for weapons because historically, the people who use them first almost always end up using them badly mm-hmm. um, and squandering their advantage. Sure. So if you look at the French with the repeating infantry rifle, if you look at the British with the tank, if you look at the Germans with poison gas, um, they had these new innovations, they pushed them into service, and they didn't develop a doctrine. They didn't develop tactics and strategy that made best use of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure who first used the machine gun 
um, but I bet you they made the same mistake. Yeah. The only people who I can think of who absolutely correctly used a brand new weapon for maximum effectiveness um, was the US with the atom bomb. Um, and I think you're witnessing something similar here. Slayer have worked out how to weaponize their assets, um, which is their speed, their aggression, uh, their tightness, um, and the fact they have a really, really good vocalist. Mm -hmm. But they haven't yet developed strategy and tactics. They haven't yet worked out a way of deploying their new assets for maximum effectiveness. Mm -hmm. um, so what we've got in this song is the equivalent of when machine guns were first used, they were taken out and used alongside cannons as field artillery. Um, and they didn't become effective and people, and, and, until people developed the doctrine of overlapping fields of fire. Um, we've got the equivalent of um, rolling out tanks onto the battlefield when they didn't really have anything to fight. They didn't have any other tanks to fight or any other armoured vehicles to fight. So you, get, you, you give away your big secret and you yes. let the enemy have a good at your new weapon well, I, I, as an Aston Villa fan I fully understand what you're talking about we always score first and we always lose I, I, I totally understand your, your metaphor there Doc um, are, you ready, are you ready to talk lyrics yes um, because this is obviously a, a, an, an important part of the um, this this <laughs> I was going to say an important part of the new weapon system. I actually suspect the lyrics will end up being a bit of a holdover from the previous weapon system, but we well, shall see. We'll find out. Welcome to part three of the show, Evil Speak. Here we read through and dissect the lyrics that Tom is generally bawling in our all too eager faces. So here goes. Existing on Damnation's Edge, the priest had never known to witness such a violent show of power overthrown. Angels fighting aimless, aimlessly, still dying by the sword. Our legions killing all in sight to get the one called Lord. What do you reckon, Doc? Um, they're quite good lyrics. Um, existing on Damnation's Edge, the priest had never known. Um, there's an interesting sort of switch in tenses here. Um, using the past tense um, in metal, or in song lyrics in general, um, is not usual. Well, the first We've line... Got a mix of tenses here. There is a mix of tenses. The first line is in the the the, the, the progressive or the continuous tense. Then he yes, throws. The, then they throw back to the past, and then they're in present simple. So they're all over the place in terms of their tenses. Yeah. Um, now, is this done for a particular poetic effect, um, or is it just a bloke who can't write? No, I think the priest had never known. I think that is a deliberate choice of tense to suggest that this has been going on for, you know, I mean, decades, centuries, millennia, who knows, but, you know, a, a, a significant period of time. Yeah. Um, we'll carry on with this. And a bit later on, um, I'm going to suggest to you that there's some more effective, uh, there's some more sophisticated poetic technique at work here. Mm -hmm. um, than um, a bloke who is not very good at English grammar. 
No, I don't think that's the reason. I don't think this is a grammar problem. Actually, I think it is a deliberate choice by the by the by the writer, which in this case is Mr. Kerry King, incidentally. Um, sure. So, <clears throat> angels fighting aimlessly interests me because again we're back to this, you know, the the. the, the this concept that, 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 that they just can't shake off kind of this kind of endless war principle between heaven and hell. And, 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 and you know, corporeal man is somehow trapped between the two. Yeah, so um, in what you might call religious philosophy, um, and I'm going to have to do a bit more research on this, it's a branch of Gnosticism, um, or dualistic Gnosticism, um, and I believe it is called Manichaeanism. Okay. Um, and it's the idea that, that the cosmos is a constant and literal war between angels and demons, or if you wish, the forces of order and the forces of chaos, mm. or if you wish, the forces of good and the forces of evil. Um, and that the, the corporeal bodies of men um, are puppets or tools um, in this war. Um, and that the, the Gnostic disciplines generally seek to identify a way in which man can liberate his spirit from this essentially enslaved condition um, of being a piece of meat in the hands of angels or the hands of demons um, and being being made being, being made to enact somebody else's war if there's a philosoph if, if slayer wished to identify a philosophical background for for this concept of the the, the eternal war or the one war um, then there certainly is such a, a philosophical concept in religious history the next, um, the next line, they say, still dying by the sword. Now, you know, th th this is obviously self-referential, isn't it? Because, you know, the, the, the track from the previous album called Die by the Sword. So he's still dying by the sword. So there's some kind of connective tissue between between this song and that one, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, so are we meant to assume from this the angels are still dying by the sword? Um, are That's what it sounds like not, to me. Yeah. Did, did, are did, angels but, not non-corporeal beings so the only conclusion we can come to from this is that they're they're using angels um they're obviously meet, uh, angels are creatures which are capable of dying creatures which mm -hmm. are capable of dying by, ne by by definition are mortal mm -hmm. um so we assume from this that the angels to which um they refer are are, are, are mortal human beings but you, you're making the uh, the presumption there that the swords are human swords you know what if these are kind of angel swords of some kind you know some kind of i don't know you know you know what i mean it doesn't necessarily just because it's a sword doesn't necessarily mean it is a like a sword of steel that, that, that would kill me and you there must be in kind of a struggle between he heaven and hell there must be weapons that are unknown to us um so once again, it, with, within the, the Gnostic concept, um, the way in which heaven and hell wage war on each other is to use human beings as their tools. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the angels and the demons are by themselves far, far too high and far remote and may not even be identifiable entities. <clears throat> if you put aside Gnostic thought and we think about, let's say, in, 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 in Dantean or sort of Miltonian terms, um, a, a, a war in heaven or a war between heaven and hell, then yes, presumably there is an, an elevated 
um, class of weapons with which angels and demons can can, can wound each other. Would you not say um, that the intro to the song is meant to invoke the sense of that Dantean Inferno, basically? Um, yeah, uh, as is the album sleeve. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, so, so we have thematic links here, don't we? Um, yeah, and we, we have multi-layered thematic links. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I mean, this is why um, I made a sort of um, what I hoped people would realise was a purposefully snide reference to bad English grammar um, mm. in the first verse. Because, I mean, that those first two lines are the kind of things that some stuck-up English teacher would pick out and go, heavy metal bands, uh, mm -hmm. they can't even master basic grammar. Sure. Um, you don't even have to get two verses into the song before um, I could easily mine an Eng lit undergraduate essay um, out of the the multi-layered themes and the different bits of religious philosophy, the different bits of literature, um, which we're we're being invited to consider here. Um, and um, this, just so you know, um, is one of the reasons why I think metal. Um, is worthy of very serious intellectual discussion. Sure. Um, please continue. The only the only other observation from this first verse is, that, again, a, a little bit of kind of Slayer underplay, with with kind of a silly a silly choice of verb, which is that our legions killing all in sight to get the one chord law to get we're going to get him we're going to get him. It's like being on the playground. I'm, I'm going to get you. You know, exactly <laughs> <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, it, it, equally, uh, another use of the word get, uh, it's like going to get the newspaper or get the fish yeah, and chips. Exactly, you know. Yeah. Would, you, would, 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 would you mind popping up the road to get the one called Lord? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'll do that. Don't worry about that. I'll, I'll, I'll get him. Can um, you, can you, can you go and get me some fakes? And I'm, I'm, I'm watch him out. Go and get the one called Lord. Oh, I will, because I, I, I was a going past the end of his street anyway. I'll, I'll go and get the one called Lord and I'll bring get you the back one the Lord. I liked it. <laughs> that made me chuckle, man. Uh, any other thoughts on on this on this section? Because we we've, we've got plenty to we've got plenty to get through. That, that's one of six, basically. Sure, um, I'm going to bring this up, um, and there's at least one song in the near future that I suspect will bring us back to this word and this concept. Hmm. So I'm going to raise the subject and then let it drop for now. Who are our legions? Okay. Ooh, the doc likes to tease us. Here we go. Next set of lyrics. They came to know how we just to see. There's no more faces for me. I can take a lot of soul from the grave. Jesus knows soul cannot be saved. To the fire soul call on us and she'll find me. The soul down the gut fell asleep for me today. The gates of hell lie waiting as you see. There's no price to pay, just follow me. I can take your lost soul from the grave. Jesus knows your soul cannot be saved. Crucify the so-called Lord. He soon shall fall to me. Your souls are damned. Your God has fell to slave for me eternally. Hell awaits. Man alive. It's potent stuff, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um... There's a concept here, um, which, as far as I know, comes from no um, specific occult or satanic tradition outside of heavy metal, but it's very popular within heavy metal. Um, 
which is this concept um, that the crucifixion um, was somehow engineered by the forces of darkness mm-hmm. um, to humiliate and dethrone the Son of God um, somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a committed Christian, or if you're any sort of Christian, it's a very, very fundamental part of your system of morals and ethics um, that effectively God sacrificed himself to himself in order to appease himself because he sure. was really angry that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was only by this act of appeasement or this act of atonement um, that the whole entirety of mankind um, was saved from being damned. Um, if you know anything about any kind of morals and ethics at all, I don't even need to start um, talking about the the contradictions and, lo- and, and logical inconsistencies um, in all of that. Um, who invented original sin? God. Who provoked man into sinning repeatedly? Mm-hmm. God. Um, who tre- um, who um, who treated mankind um, not particularly like a loving and nurturing parent, but more like a drunken, violent, abusive father? God. Of course. Who, who, um, who, who designed an anus to be the absolute perfect size, shape and tightness for, you know, a, 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 a fully erect penis? God did that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the, we, the, there, are, there are certain logical inconsistencies which... Um, I know are um, easily understood um, by those of faith. But this business of, um, and I I will never be able to make logical sense of this at all, that in order for mankind to be absolved of original sin, um, it was necessary for God to make a sacrifice of himself um, and that's probably the central tenet of all Christian beliefs. Mm-hmm. And it's the single thing that sets apart Christianity from the other Abrahamic religions. So from Judaism and Islam and mm-hmm. Zoroastrianism. Um, there is a recurring preoccupation in metal of all kinds. And as far as I know, no other occult tradition um, that the crucifixion um, was in fact engineered by the forces of darkness um, not as a means of redemption um, and not as a glorious self-sacrifice um, of the Son of God, um, but um, exactly as it appears to be, um, as a means of humiliation, as a way of taking power sure. from Jesus. Um, and effectively, um, apparently, in some way of damning Jesus. Yeah, um, and again, it seems to me that it makes, seems to me... Oh, sorry, Doc. It seems to me that Slayer take take that position, take that kind of um, you know that image of God, and and just use you use Satan as the just the antithesis to it. Basically, you know, you know, I'm here. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna slap your sanctimony into into place. Basically, yeah. I mean, it it makes no more logical sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't understand why anyone who was executed by torture should feel more humiliated than anyone who died by any other means. For the fear of a three-hour episode, Doc, should we move on to the next set of lines? Sure. The 
Guards, the darkened gates that Satan calls his home. Demons feed the furnace where the dead are free to roam. Lonely children of the night. There's seven ways to go, each leading to the burning hole that Lucifer controls. Now, a grammar point straight away. There are seven ways to go. Surely not there is. Come on, Slayer, sort that out. That's ridiculous. Um, there's seven ways. Um. If this is a reference to the seven gates of hell, as they are known in American folklore, mm -hmm. it might just about be correct. I'm, no, no, um, so, I, I, no, I'm not accepting it, Doc. Go on, tell me why. Tell me why I'm wrong. Um, because the seven gates of hell all lie along the same tunnel. Oh, but the gates are separate. The gates are separate things. No, Mr. Kerry King, they're separate. Lonely children of the night. What a great line that is. So once again, who 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 are the lonely children of the night? Are they Christians? Is this, um, or um, is it another um, is it another conscious self reference to um, self identified Slayer fans? I thought there was that there was a potential of being a, a Sabbath reference here. Don't, don't they have a, a song called "Children of the Something"? Children of the Grave. Children of the Grave. Um, Children of the Night. Maybe um, I'm stretching. Maybe I'm stretching. Um, Children of the Night, um, if it's an explicit reference to anything, is to the 1932 Dracula film with Bela Lugosi in it. Um, oh, the Children of the Night, what sweet music they what make. What sweet music we make, of course, yes, yes. Um, each leading to the burning hole. Are we, are we back at Gay Panic, Doc? What do you reckon? <laughs> um, on this occasion, <laughs> no, I don't think we okay. are. Um, I think it's um, not being able to know when to turn down that third vindaloo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, go on. I've spoken enough. What, what, what do you make of this of this section of lyrics? This particular section. Um, so, a little before this, um, the Reaper guards the darkened gates. Um, that Satan calls his home. Um, mm -hmm. I find that um, a worse offence against syntax than this. There's seven ways to go. Um, <laughs> you can't. You, your home can't be some gates. <laughs> I don't care who you are. Um, I mean, that, that, that's that's much worse syntax than just saying there. There is a seven no, ways to go. But that's also, that's imagery. That's figurative. That's fine. <laughs> um, demons feed the furnace where the dead are free to roam um very interesting contradiction here um any depiction of hell that you've ever seen um is supposed to be a a, a, a place of penury um it's typically categorized it's it's typically sort of imagined or drawn or poeticized um as a prison um, mm -hmm. And the idea that the, the, the dead are free to roam. Mm -hmm. um, I don't envisage hell being a place where you just kind of wander around. Oh, you know, I, I imagine you're, you know, kind of on, strapped to some kind of muddy, bloody, bone, bony wall, you know, and and, and, and and birds from time to time just come and peck at you and, and you know, 
maggots are thrown in your face from time to time. I don't, I don't think you just get to wander down the shops. No, I don't either. Um, so obviously all cultures um, imagine hell um, using imagery um, that is predominant in their culture at the time. Um, in the, the, the ancient Greeks, as far as I can work out, had, had no real concept of hell. Um, except for the very few who were picked out by the gods for special punishment. For the most part, when you died, you went to the Elysian Fields um, sure. and you, sort of, you, you, you wandered in blissful ignorance. Yeah. Um, Chinese have this really interesting idea that um, hell is like Imperial China and um, it has a massive bureaucracy. And throughout your life, special demons have been writing huge wads of paperwork um, about everything you've got up to. Um, and there are vast halls full of clerks and judges and court officials who decide what punishment you must receive for each transgression that you've ever committed. Certainly, this, this idea, um, the dead are free to roam. Mm. Um, I believe that is a completely unique um, envisionment um, of hell. I've never come across it before. Sure. No, it, it, um, it, it, doesn't vibe, it doesn't vibe with anything I've read thought or heard to be honest um let's move on because we 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 are now in danger of 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 becoming the the longest podcast the world has ever seen Priests of Hades seek the sacred star. Satan sees the answer lies not far. Zombies screaming souls cry out to you. Satanic law prevails, your life is through. Pray to the moon when it is round. Death with you shall then abound. What you seek for can't be found. In sea or sky or underground. I mean, he's gone for a rhyming scheme there and he's fucking stuck to it, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, a, 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 A. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, um, uh, the, sacred um, star, Doc. What, what, what are they talking about there? Priests of Hades seek the sacred star. Um, we've heard of a, re- a, a reference to the, uh, uh, the sacred star before. Um I don't know enough about occultic astrology. Mm. Um, and I know there is such a thing, and I know it's been a consuming area of study for many people throughout history. Um, and many people have wasted their lives on other stuff too. Um, so I presume there is a sacred star um, that holds a particular prominence in some constellation or other and when the cock crows nine times and laid addled eggs before breakfast. Um, the, the, your first two sentences there, Doc, I thought, I thought you were going to be making a really, really serious point, and, and, and then you just uh, lampoon the whole notion. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Very, very good. Um, zombies, screaming souls cry out to you. Now, zombies and hell. Zombies and hell. What do we think? Um, well... As we know um, from two primary sources, from two pieces of real history that really happened in the world, 
we've got two primary historical sources for this. When there's no more room in hell, mm-hmm. the dead will walk the earth. Sure. Dawn of the dead. And, um, and um, there's another one which is, um, this is what happens when hell spits out the dead. Ah, and then the, I, I, I'm guessing that's the zombie flesh eaters. Yes, it is. Yeah, there we go. I, I did uh, ten points to Mo, um, but as as a general concept, I don't associate zombies and like a like a Dante Inferno esque vision of hell. So, kind of smashing those those two things together seems a bit peculiar to me. Whether you sort of consider that the. the the classical tradition of zombies, mm. um, which I think probably goes all the way back to Haiti at the end of the 18th century, um, then um, zombies, of course, aren't even dead. You They're, take that back. Take that back, Doctor, instantly. Um, go and tell it to the Haitians. Yeah, of course. Yeah, go on. Um, and good luck putting Haitian voodoo priests straight about anything. <laughs> um so, um, the, the, the more modern um, conception of zombies, which is that they're um, persons who have recently died, who have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. Yeah. Fearless. Um, and, undead. And machines. Yeah, as deceased would have us. If you consider zombies to be um, remote-controlled plantation slaves, um, the idea of zombie souls, zombie screaming souls cry out to you. It's a far more chilling image. Mm. Um, if we're thinking of Romero canon, Romero era zombies, um, where they're, they're, they're dead people who shamble around looking for brains to eat, mm-hmm. um, then I don't think their souls would be, uh, would be screaming or crying out to you. Um, no, and I'm, pl- I'm pleased about that, really, because you know, they're my favourite of the bunch, so I don't, want to think, I don't want to think of them in torment. No, um, I think the only thing they'd be screaming or crying out to you would be, I want your <laughs> brains! Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, pray to the moon when it is round... Death with you shall then abound, for what you seek for can't be found in sea or sky or underground. What's the moon reference, Doc? Well, the whole thing um, has got a vaguely Macbeth Act 1, Scene 1 vibe to it. Mm. Um, So Macbeth Act 1, Scene 1 is a skilled poet trying to write shit poetry. Um, He's trying to write doggerel in the mouths of unlettered, uneducated, illiterate peasants. Um, you know, um, no one thinks that the, the, the witch's invocation from the beginning of that play is a particularly sophisticated bit of poetry, and it's not meant to be. Um, so there's, there's almost kind of an excuse for the, the, the very naive poetry um, and the, um, the rhyme scheme that, frankly, his English teacher should have slapped out of him when he was mm-hmm. nine. Sure. Um, no, take that away. Yeah, Do of course. better. Yeah, but it, it, because it just seems kind of juvenile, doesn't it, unfortunately? Yeah. Um, so um, I'm going to stick to the idea that um, it's meant to. Um, you're meant to imagine this verse being recited by um, some outcast, um, ostracised hags um, in, the, in, in 16th century Massachusetts 
plotting the downfall um, of the colonial leaders or something like this. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's not meant to sound sophisticated. It's not meant to sound lettered. Um, once again, according to the occult traditions, as I understand them, it's also wrong. I, I had an idea you were supposed to pray to the waning moon. I never heard okay. of praying to the, uh, the full moon. Yeah, yeah. No, you, it, it, it's interesting. But the waning moon doesn't rhyme, does it? So, you know, he couldn't use it. Uh, <laughs> no. Let's, um, let's um, move on. We, 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 we've got two more sections of, of lyrics to go. I, I, and I think we've already hit the hour and a half mark, Doc. So, come on, let's go. Now I have you deep I've inside my... Ev I've got two more words to say about this last verse. Go on. Um, I don't know if this is what Slayer were going at, but... Um, and if you know, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you don't, it'll take too long to understand, but I will if people really want me to. The last mm -hmm. two lines, what you seek for can't be found in sea or sky or underground. And all I'm going to say is Tolkien reference. Mm. And now we'll move on. Okay. Oh, that's intriguing. I was thinking uh, West Bromwich Albion reference. Mm, okay. Go on. Now I um, now I have you deep inside my everlasting grasp. The seven bloody gates of hell is where you'll live your last. Warriors from hell's domain will bring you to your death. The flames of Hades burning strong, your soul shall never rest. Good lines, man. But... I don't think they mean much, you know. It, 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 it's just painting the painting the canvas, isn't it? You know. Um, are we aware, by the way, of in American folklore what what the seven gates of hell actually are? Seven. I mean, it, 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 it's something we hear so often referenced in metal, isn't it? It, 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 it almost becomes invisible, and we stop thinking about it. Um, yeah. No, I don't. I don't know. Well, in the works, for instance, of Lucio Fulci. Um, which is what I, which is what I took to be the truth, mate. Of course. I thought this was the truth. I, I thought Lucio Fulci would never lie to me. Of course. Um, there, are seven there are seven gates to hell, um, presumably scattered across the surface of the globe. Um, and people will do things such as building hotels on top of them or hmm. murdering a priest and thereby accidentally opening one of them. Yes, yes, um, yes. It, 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 it seems to be a, a recurring theme, doesn't it? it it's very mysterious. Yeah, um, and the, the question you end up asking yourself is, why won't people leave these bloody gates of hell alone? Why, why, why do people <laughs> have to go around committing suicide near them or killing a priest near them or building a hotel on top of them? Or, or being a buffy um, next to one. Yeah, um, yeah, building a whole entire small town next to one. Mm, mm. Um, not a good idea. Um, it, it never ends well. But there is a completely different piece of, of, of folklore. Um, and there is a tunnel in the ground, um, some say close to Baltimore. Um, and the tunnel is by all means real um, and was either a mine entrance or something to do with railway construction or something to do with a civic project. Um, and along its length, there are, in fact, seven gates, um, presumably to keep people out because it's really bloody dangerous in there. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a minor piece of American folklore that um, the tunnel is actually the entrance to hell and is guarded by the seven gates of hell. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. I really found that rather charming. Mm. Um, so this, this sort of explains why um, instead of seven portals to hell scattered all in different locations in the world, 
um, there's a tunnel with seven gates in it, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven gates, one after another, um, which then makes sense of um, the line from Suicide Sacrifice by Deerside, in my wake, seventh gate. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. um, I would also need to add, um, for those of you who have read the full version um, of The Escape from Gondolin, Tolkien reference. For the second time, the doc is blowing our mind. The gates of hell are we now to see? There's no one to make to follow me. I can see you lost soul from the grave. Jesus, our soul cannot be saved. Sacrifice the lives of all I know this will survive. This will damn the rock hell signifies no demon's side. The final, the final verse here. The gates of hell are waiting as you see. There's no price to pay, just follow me. I can take your lost soul from the grave. Jesus knows your soul cannot be saved. Sacrifice the lives of all. I know they soon shall die. The souls are damned to rot in hell and keep the fire growing deep inside. Hell awaits. Right, so we open, we open this pair of stanzas with um, what seems to be something from Greek mythology. Um, which is that in order to, to cross the River Styx and enter the underworld, um, there was a, uh, a skeletal ferryman um, who rowed you across the river in a boat um, and you had to pay him what you were able to pay him. This is a, and that's to, why to cross it was advisable. The, to, to cross the River Styx, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was why it was advisable for your relatives to, um, to bury you with a, a high-denomination coin wedged in your teeth. Yeah, um, we mentioned uh, Nightwish right at the beginning of this episode, and they have a great song, which is uh, Penny for the Ferryman, which is a reference to that exact um, myth, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, and I believe this is a, this, this is a reference to the same, uh, the same myth. Sure. Gates of hell lie waiting. You see, there's no price to pay, just follow me. Uh, no price um, to pay. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, there's also... Um, Without being gratuitously blasphemous, there's also one of the most transgressive pieces of anti-Christian sentiment I've even, I'm, I'm even familiar with from Slayer. Once again, if you're any kind of Christian, then um, your faith and your belief would hinge on the fact that there's no sin that cannot be forgiven and cannot be expurgated. It's that fourth um, line, isn't it? That fourth line is potent, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's so loaded. Yeah. Um, and um, without having to mention burning anyone or nailing anyone or crucifying anybody, um, mm -hmm. it, it manages to be a very, very transgressive anti-Christian statement. And it, it, um, it, it, it's also so bleak. It's so bleak. My God, that line is just so depressing. Um, just, you know, it, it, it makes Cormac McCarthy's The Road seem like a positively cheerful novelette. It's probably something it's best not to think too hard on, but mm -hmm. um, I think it's a, a marvellous example of um, sometimes the meanest punches um, are not necessarily the ones that come with um, a lot of bluster and a lot of shouting. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, sacrifice the lives of all I know, they soon shall die their souls are damned to rot in hell. Um, 
rotting in hell. Um, once again, it, it's 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 a very different definition um, of hell to some of the others that you've heard. Uh, the, the the climatic conditions in uh, in hell are, I assume, not particularly conducive to rotting. But but, but that but that you know that that is an expression that we use in day to day language, isn't it? Rotting hell, mate. You know, the, 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 you know. The, 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 I, I I have heard that outside of this song. Yeah. Um, do we know what the origin of that might be? No, not at all. No, not at all. But you know, you know, if if you wish to condemn somebody for their behaviour. It's not uncommon to hear somebody say, I hope he fucking rots in hell, you know. Um, sure. It's, def- it, 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 it's definitely extant beyond the, beyond the scope of Slayer's lyrics. Yeah, but then let's look at the next line. And keep the fire growing deep inside. Yeah. Yeah, rot, rot, it suggests kind of damp and, and, and you know, as you know, Doc, liquescence, you know. Yeah, um, well, I... I Maybe, I know maybe that's why you've taken against this line. Maybe that's the reason, because it's a bit too close to home for you. It certainly is. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, 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 I need no sort of introduction to uh, decaying flesh and maggots mm. and mm. Um, putrefaction. Of course. Um, um I'm done. I suppose. I'm done with these lyrics, really. Yeah. Unless you, unless you have further things to say. I do. I've got. I've got a couple more points to make. Go on. Um, it's almost um, poetically unfortunate that hell has been so consistently associated with being hot and arid, um, mm. because honestly, things involving maggots, things involving putrescence, um, things involving gaseous bloat are just far more hellish. <laughs> what a, a fabulous hardcore band from the late nineties, by the way, gaseous bloat. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Um, and yeah, with that, um, I'm done too. Welcome to part four of Slaytanic Vercast. Here, we just offer our final thoughts and summations and discuss anything we maybe inadvertently missed along the way. But before we do that, some crucial details. Writing credits this time around. Uh, music is by um, Jeff Hanneman and Kerry King. Lyrics by Kerry King alone. Setlist tells us this track was played no less than 1,388 times during their career, putting it in a very lofty ninth position. Not a big surprise, to be honest. Um, First time they played it was a was at a place called The Stone in San Francisco, June the 13th, 1984. And the last play... No. It's true. It's true. <laughs> the last San play Francisco called in Stone. San Francisco in 1984. Who'd have fucking thunk it? Um, the last play was The Forum of Inglewood um, on the 30th of November, 2019. Their last ever show so this this was there for them pretty much from beginning to once they wrote it they played it they didn't stop playing it let, let let's just put it that way um final thoughts doc what do you think um my final thoughts begin with uh about 15 minutes into this episode um we were having a chat about whether the song was overlong 
an overlong song deserves an overlong commentary, and I think we've pretty much delivered on that. We've done that. That's for um, sure. we, we, we could clock in at close to two hours by the way we're going. But there's been a lot to get through. Yeah, uh, a lot true. of scene setting, um, a lot of uh, a lot of establishing shots, um, quite a bit of backstory to get through, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's been worth it. Yeah. Um, I'm still left with mixed feelings about the song. Mm. Um, sooner or later, we had to have a song that was divisive. And this one's ended up being divisive in a very peculiar way, which is it's not that you liked it and I didn't, or I liked it and you didn't, but the bits that I liked, you didn't like very much, and the mm. bits that you liked, I didn't like very much. So it's, mm. Mm. it's, it's curious. Divisive. It's managed to be divisive multiple times within the space to the same song. <laughs> and I, I, I think Slayer would be proud of that, actually. So do I. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I liked um, the atmospheric introduction. Um, I liked the, the sludgy, ominous bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I did too. I, I, I liked all of those bits. And I liked the solos. Yeah, solos um, cool. And I liked the outro. Mm-hmm. Um, the bits I could have done without are the, I suppose, what, what many people might consider to be the slayery bits. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, How about what, you? Well, you know, I think I think all all aspects of this song are necessary. Um, I think the the ominous intro was, you know, ju- just to say we're not just speed merchants. We've got more to our game here, and we can just menace you just with our chord selection. Um, and then when it speeds up, it, it 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 it's basically saying, yeah, and we can do this as well, and none of you motherfuckers can. Um, but do the two do the two bits work together? That's the question, really, isn't it? You know, is this really one song, or is it is it two songs kind of smashed together? Um, and I, I I tend to think of that. To me, this this has direct DNA connection with um, face um, Metal Storm face the Slayer. You know, with we, 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 quite a similar structure, really. You know, yeah. you, 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 I think that song had a couple of like a two minute introduction that was much more um, melodic, though, wasn't it? It was much more musical rather than ominous, I think, if, if memory serves yes. correctly. Um, but, but, but then, it, you know, just like this one, then it totally discards that, 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 that structure altogether for the, you know, for the final half of the song. I mean, I, I love this song. It is. A Slayer classic. I'll be honest with you, Doc. When I walked into this, I imagined, without question, this was going to get ten out of ten for me. It's hella white. It's Slayer. It's hella. It's it's hella white. That's what I thought. But actually, listening to it, and and, and following our discussion, I'm going to go first this time, Doc. If you don't mind for the scores. Um, yeah. It's, it's eight out of ten, and I, I, I feel a bit disappointed saying that, but but it is eight out of ten. It does take a hit because I think it is too long, um, and it takes another hit because I don't really think the two parts of the song necessarily belong together as great as they both are. There you go, Doc. My God. Oh, I can't believe I said it. In the end, it's never going to... Um, end up as one of my favourite Slayer tracks. Um, if I got the uh, the job of doing the um, the remix album, 
um, which everyone seems to like to package together with their album nowadays, um, I would do something with the introduction um, and the solos. Um, as far as the fast and hard bits, we'll see better examples. We'll see yeah. much, much, much better examples coming down mm -hmm. the pike soon. Mm -hmm. um, a great introduction, some good solos, do not a great song make. Um, I'm not going to be reaching for it as a standalone track anytime soon. Um, I, it's going to be four. Oh, oh, God, Doc. You're going to get us in so much trouble. I, 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 th I thought I was controversial with eight, but d delivering a four, my God. But... You know, we have to respect your honesty. You can only score it as you see it. Four out of ten, the question swords for Doc. Eight, mouldering, mutilated, most scores out of ten for me. My God, what a roller coaster. Um, I think that about does it for this episode. Um, don't forget, you can join us at any time to, to, to engage in conversation at... Vercast on Twitter, on Gmail, satanicvercast at gmail.com. Join us next time when we'll be discussing the second track from Hella Waits, which is, of course, Kill Again. I look forward to it, Doc. I don't know about you. Absolutely, I do. I'll see you then. Take care. See you later. Bye-bye.